0: begin
1: appreciate that. You know, I got this thing I do with my grandson. I I tell him I love him, and he'll say, I love you, granddad. I'll say, I love you times a million. He said, I love you a million and one. So I love you a million and three. I love you. And we go do that for a while. And then the other day, though, he said, I love you a million and infinity. (laughs) I set the bar kind of high there. So, you know, counting our blessings, I will promise you that our blessings have been in the multiplied billions from God, things that we don't even realize that he's done for us things that he's protected us from and kept from happening, the ability to be able to wake up in the morning. Some of you are still working on that. I can see it today. <laughs> the ability to be able to inhale and exhale, the ability for our bodies to be able to function and for life to consist and resist. And i tell you what, just thank God for his blessings. Let's do that together as we go to him in a word of prayer right now. Our gracious Father in heaven, you are a good God all the time. Even when bad things happen, you're a good God. Father, we don't know your mind. We don't know and understand all the things that happen and why they happen the way they do. But we do know that you're uh, an infinite power, an infinite mind, and that you work everything out for your ultimate glory. And so, Lord, we pray that we would just conform to whatever your perfect will is to the best of our ability to do so. We pray your blessings on our people who are not here because of illness, that you would heal them and bring them back very soon. We pray for our nation that's morally very sick. And we pray, God, that you would bring this nation back, that you would give us another opportunity, that you would revive this nation, filling us with your Holy Spirit so that, God, there can be a return to decency and morality as you define it, not as we do. God, we ask you to forgive us where we failed you and bless us today. Bless our missionaries today. God, what, a, what an amazing mission field uh, that they work in. And I pray, God, your blessings upon them, that you would supply their every need. Thank you for bringing them here today. We pray in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. Thank you for you who are here in person, for you who are watching by way of YouTube and Facebook. We welcome you as well, and hope very soon you'll be able to come and be with us live at 445 C Avenue here in Coronado. Today, we're especially blessed with Marwan and Marcy abul Zelof, who are our missionaries, uh, to the field in the city of, of Beirut, Lebanon, planting a church there, and I can't hardly wait to hear uh, all that God is doing. To all of our military who we feed after every service, there is no meal today. Blame Ryan. <laughs> Ryan is out of town. His son-in-law, Benjamin, got married. His brother-in-law, his brother-in-law got married. What did I say? Yeah. I need to wake up this morning. <laughs> Somebody bring me some coffee quick. So, yeah, so anyhow, he, uh, they're not here. There won't be a meal today. So here's guys and gals kind of hooked together and, and go somewhere and treat each other. John? Oh, I got that. See, I got that, right? But it's not yet. I can't, I can't make that announcement yet because it's, it's not, that's number number four on my list. Check the bulletin for several Bible studies held throughout the week. And some of them, are, of course, t- have taken a break for summer, but uh, some of them are still meeting. Um, service for Monica's mom, uh, Armida Medina Memorial Service will be here Friday at 10 a.m. Monica, where are you? Right over here. 10 a.m. right here. And so everyone's invited to that. Saturday, John, we have a men's breakfast <coughs> right here. <clears throat> and we're going to have uh, Ukrainian missionaries with us who are going to share uh, some of what's going on in the Ukraine. <clears throat> now, I, I thought about opening up and men and women could come because he, he's going to be here, his wife's going to be here, and a, and a lady from Ukraine. So I don't, I don't know whether to do that or not, but I'll tell you what, if you ladies show up, nobody's going to be kicked out, uh, but we're going to hear some testimonies from our missionaries to the Ukraine. Next Sunday, the name of God we're going to be studying is coming. One of the last names that we're going to be studying in this series on the names of God is El Olam, El Olam, God of Eternity. And we'll also have Holy Communion uh, at the end of that service. August the 14th, we're going to fill this puppy up. This is our baptistry. It's a portable baptistry. If you want to borrow it sometime, you're free to do so. But it's, it's a, we're going to baptize on the 14th. So that's Baptism Sunday. So if you have received Christ as your personal Savior but have not been baptized uh, scripturally after receiving Christ, then let me know or let Julie know, and we'll make plans for that. You need to bring a change of clothing and a towel. Um, so you say, well, preacher, I was, I was baptized when I was a baby. You were probably sprinkled when you were a baby. So uh, it's, it's like the vaccine and the boosters. This is the booster to make your <laughs> baptism really valid. Uh, you need to get the baptism booster, which is fully immersed. So if you're interested in that, let us know. Marriage conference coming up August the 7th, David and Michelle Farmer. Do we have, we don't have the video today, right? Where, where, where are the farmers, right? Do, par, pardon me? I don't think they do today, so we'll show it next week, but it's the 27th, and you've got, and are you going to be outside today? Okay. Okay, so you can register outside for, on the 27th. It'll be an, uh, about 8 o'clock to about 4, I think it is, or 8 o'clock to 5. And um, if you are married, you need to be there. If you're thinking about being married, you need to be there. If you're not, no longer married, for sure you need to be there. Uh, <coughs> so go ahead and register for that. And then I do want to give you four, a warning here. Tomorrow morning, we're having a, an alarm system installed in the church. Uh, so uh, if you have a key and not the alarm, you will be arrested. Uh, I am a chaplain for the Cornell Police Department. I will visit you in jail and uh, pray with you. But, um, so be sure to, you have the, if you have a key and you're supposed to have a key, uh, make sure you get the alarm code. We'll know that tomorrow. We'll try to make contact with everyone. Our mission is the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given me. In heaven and earth, go you therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And so, with the words above, the book of Matthew comes to an end. It's the end of a book, but the beginning of a whole new era. <clears throat> this may be, well be the first mention of the world's becoming a mission field. Abram was called out of Ur to go to Canaan. Moses was called to lead Egypt or Israel, out of Egypt and to take them back home to Canaan. Jonah was commissioned to go to Nineveh and preach repentance. These three callings were limited to one man each and one mission field each. Matthew, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, commissions us all to go not to one field but to all nations, teaching, baptizing, and teaching all things or discipling them until the end of the present age of grace. Marwan and Marcy have gone to Beirut, Lebanon, Rachel and Randall Fernandez have gone to Pakistan, um, Karachi, Pakistan. Jim and Christina Foster have gone to South Africa, as has Brittany Shear. Ryan and Hope have come to Coronado with the Navigators. Pat and I have come to First Baptist Church. Those are our mission fields. What is your mission field? You have one. What is your mission field? Have you walked across the street to be a missionary to your neighbor? (coughs) You don't have to go to Thailand. Like the Moad family, you must be willing to go where God has called you and to do what God has commissioned you to do. We're all missionaries, good or bad, obedient or disobedient. question is, which are you? We're going to hear more from Marwan in just a little bit. Well, let's go ahead and stand and continue to worship the Lord together. As you're seated, I'm going to ask all the young people, come on up to here. Boys and girls, I'm going to spend a couple of minutes with you. There were two things I forgot in my announcements. I think John messed me up in thinking about what I was going to say. One of them was, if you're a first-time guest or first time in a long time to First Baptist Church, please take a, one of these card connection cards out in the seat back in front of you and fill it out and turn that in. We will not put you on some kind of a list where we're going to hit you up for anything. We just want to know who you are, and we're just so glad that you're be with us. I think Marwan has brought about half the church today. So uh, and they're, they're here and they know you already. So it's kind of weird. They're here and they know you. Uh, so that's good. All right. So go ahead and fill that out. And then also, I, was, I meant to have prayer for Terry Miller, who's back preaching at a church back on the East Coast. So <clears throat> continue to pray for him. Appreciate that. All right, boys and girls, where's that, where are all the other boys and girls? Huh? Where'd they go? Are they on vacation? Maybe. Let me ask you a question. How many of you know what a missionary is? How many of you know what a missionary is? Anybody? What what is a missionary? Somebody who shares the word of God. That's a perfect, actually a perfect definition of what a missionary is. It's someone who takes the message of the gospel to people who need to hear the truth. Now, when I was little, when I thought about missionaries, I thought about people who got on a ship and went to some somewhere like in South America in the jungles of the Amazon and, and met people that uh, had, couldn't speak English and had their own language, and, uh, and I always thought you had to go somewhere a long ways away in order to do that, but that's, and that's exactly what some missionaries do, <clears throat> but others go to big cities in foreign countries. Our missionaries today uh, go to a very famous city, it's in the Bible, the, the city of, of, of Lebanon, the country of Lebanon is in the Bible, and they're in a big city called Beirut, and they take care of preaching the gospel to people there. So you don't have to go to a foreign country to be a missionary. You don't even have to go to a jungle or, or to the Amazon River. You and I can be missionaries right here in the United States of America. You can be missionaries in your school. You, how many of you go to school? One of you. Okay. <clears throat> you can be a missionary at work. How many of you work? Yeah. Uh, you can be a missionary in the park. How many go to a park? Okay. You can be a missionary in a grocery store. Do you ever go to the grocery store? Ever go shopping with your mom and dad? Okay. Uh, you can be a missionary at your friend's house and everywhere else that you go. A missionary <clears throat> is someone who tells other people about Jesus Christ and the fact that he loves us and that he died on the cross so we could have everlasting life. So my question to you, boys and girls, is are you missionaries? And if you are, thank you. And if you're not, would you be? And maybe, maybe, maybe God might call you to be a missionary who goes to some big country or some big city or some jungle somewhere one day. And if he does, that's God's perfect will for you. Be sure to obey him. Father, we pray your blessings on these children today. Pray your blessings on the teachers who will impart to them uh, the words, the living words of God that uh, transform people and transform nations. So we pray that you would be with the teachers, fill them with your Holy Spirit, be with these boys and girls. And if they've not trusted Christ as their personal Savior yet, may they do so soon. And Father, may you let them know what your plan for their life is. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You guys can go ahead and go to your classes. All right. We're glad to have everyone here today. Marwan and Marcy, we're so glad to have you guys here. We, are, we have been partnering with them for seven years that I know of. Uh, where's, where's Marcy? <clears throat> In the very back. And we've got two young men there with her right there. All right. Glad to have you all with us. And uh, would you welcome right now, Marwan, we've been supporting them for seven years. We want to continue to do so. Give them a good welcome as he comes to share the word of God. God bless you, man.
2: Unmuted myself, or have I muted myself? We're on friends. Good morning. Good morning. Um, What a joy it is for me to be here with you all. Uh, This is it's been three years. We were last here in 2019 that we came and visited and fellowshipped with you all. Uh, I'm not very good at math, so I confirmed that. I looked at our calendar, I looked at our records, my emails. It says three years, but the gray hairs in my beard would argue that it's been between 5 to 15 years since the last time we we came and and we're with you all. I want to begin this morning by saying thank you. Thank you for your partnership. Thank you for your friendship with us over these many years. We remember you often. We pray for you and we thank God for you often and, and for the way that you have come alongside us for the sake of the gospel in Beirut throughout Lebanon. Now, Uh, A brief and quick introduction before we continue this morning. I pastor an English-speaking church. Uh, The church is named City Bible Church. Uh, Many of you know that because I know you all pray for us, and some of you receive our newsletters or are connected with us, but also realize that there are many of you that have have not yet met. Um, This morning, uh, though I'm eager to share an update of our life and ministry, and I I plan to do that, uh, what we need more than anything is to hear from God's Word. And so this morning, I'm doing what I'm calling, I'm not sure if you've heard this phrase before, Pastor, uh, but a sermon update. Now, some of you have heard of a sermonette, which is a a shorter sermon. This morning, a sermon update is a sermon filled with illustrations and updates from our life and from our ministry that will kind of flow, hopefully, uh, with the preached message this morning. Now, if you have any questions, I'm sure many of you might have questions about our church, our ministry, life in Lebanon, uh, Islam, whatever it might be, I'm happy to speak to you as long as you'd like after the service, uh, and also as long as Pastor Jim allows, since we have uh, lunch plans with him. So between between those two uh, two limits, about five minutes, and then we're going to go to lunch. So uh, short, quick questions, and I'll have to get started with the sermon. Um, now, our passage this morning comes from the end of First Peter, and since you all aren't in the book of per- First Peter. Now, let me share a story to help kind of set the context of the book, to help us get an idea of what this letter is all about. Now, the story that I'm sharing is not a personal story. It's one that I've heard years ago and I've not forgotten this story. It's a story about long-distance swimmer Florence Chadwick. Now, Florence was the first woman to swim across the English channel, and back. This is from the middle of the last century. That ages many of you and us, just even saying last century, right? Uh, in the 1950s. Now, 1952, she set out to swim from the coast of California to Catalina. That was her aim. That was uh, the mission. Now, a rowboat accompanied her. In the boat was her mother who was there to encourage her. There was also a couple of men with rifles there to keep away any sharks that may come, hopefully to care for her, to keep her safe on this uh, swim. Now, after about 15 hours of swimming in cold, shark-infested waters, a thick fog set in and she couldn't see anything around her. I'm sure most of us have experienced fog like that, where you can barely see your hand if you extend it out. You can't see more than a few feet in front of you. And so she kept going as much as she could, but then she just had to quit. It was at that point that her mom yelled out from the boat and told her, you can do it. You don't have much more to go. You're almost there. Keep on going. And so she did. With that encouragement, she didn't quit. She went on for about another hour. But then she had to stop. The fog was too Too thick. And so they pulled her into the boat, and it is at that point that she found out that she was half a mile from reaching the island. Can you, can you believe me? I hear, hear the gasps. For me, swimming half a mile would, would cause uh, <laughs> excitement. Uh, but half a mile from the shore. But she had to stop. And so there was a press conference the next day, and the reporters asked her, why did you stop? You were, you were so close. And Florence responded and said, all I could see was fog. If I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. Now, two months later, Florence attempted the swim again. The conditions were the same. Cold, foggy, sharp, infested waters, but this time she made it. Now, at the press conference, she was asked how she was able to do it this time, and Florence answered, the entire time I was swimming, I had a picture of the shore in my mind. And so in a similar way, we can think of this letter, this first uh, letter of Peter. It says, encouragement to us to keep on going. It's as if he's in the boat shouting to the church, both then and now, saying, keep going. Don't give up. You're almost there. Keep the end in mind. You see, the church across Asia Minor at that time was really going through difficulties, Lots of persecutions, many difficulties and hardships. There were those who were tempted to stop following Jesus. Many of them were asking, is is all of this worth it? If God is real, why are these things happening? How am I supposed to live in these times? I know I've asked these questions. I'm sure many of you have also asked similar questions. Questions. And so the Apostle Peter is telling believers that in this broken and hopeless world, we have a living hope in a living Jesus. This in a First Peter chapter 1, verse 3, and what Peter writes. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, when I say that he's writing to Christians, I don't mean Christians in name alone. I know you all are familiar with the the concept of cultural Christianity. And it's the same, well, we have a a same problem in Lebanon just as you all have here in the U.S. You see, 35% of Lebanese consider themselves Christian, which is the largest majority in in the Arab world, in, in, in the region. But most of them don't believe in salvation by grace alone, through faith alone in Christ alone. So why do they call themselves Christians? Well, because of their family name or their background, right? In, in the Middle East, or at least in Lebanon, your, your religion is stated on your ID card, right? And so maybe that's not the same here in the U.S. They don't put your religion on your driver's license or your passport. But when you ask someone, why are you a Christian? They say, well, I go to church sometimes. My grandma goes to church. We've always been Christians, Right? this cultural Christianity. And so Peter isn't writing to unsaved people who identify with Christianity. He's writing to those who have put all their hope and all their faith in Christ alone for their salvation. He's writing to those of us who are united to Jesus through his death, his burial, and his resurrection and saying that union sets us apart to Jesus and sets us apart from the world. Now, because of that, because of this hope that we have, Our lives are to be lived differently than the rest of the world. That's what Peter is writing in this letter. He's encouraging believers that because of Jesus, we hope differently, we submit differently, and we suffer differently. Those those are the three main areas that his letter covers. Christians hope differently, submit differently, and suffer differently. Now, as I think of Lebanon, I think of the Lebanese people, I think of Christians in Lebanon, in particular, as I think of our church in Lebanon, I can say that we have been living through a season of suffering. And so this morning, we'll briefly and broadly look at Peter's words about suffering. And as we do that, I'll share some stories and updates throughout. And so, would you pray with me as we go to God's word? Now, this isn't something we just do because you should pray before you go to God's word. No, but why, why do we pray? Because we realize that unless God opens our eyes to see him in his word, unless he gives us ears to hear his voice, we, these are just words like any other book. And so we pray and say, God, open our eyes. Help us to see you this morning. So let's pray together. Father, uh, we ask for that thing this morning. Lord, help us to see Jesus this morning in, in this time, in this sermon, as we continue to sing after this sermon, as we have conversations. Father, as we go to your word, Help us to hear your voice. Father, for those who don't know Jesus, would you save? We recognize that's a work that only you do. For those of us who know Christ, Father, we know that some of us are very encouraged. Today is a wonderful day. It's been a wonderful and For others, this is the hardest week of their lives. So, Father, would you speak to us in the way that only you can do through your spirit? Encourage those who need to be encouraged. Lord, convict those of sin who need to be convicted. Be glorified as we look to your word and look to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the passage is gonna be the last part of First Peter in chapter three and the last part of First Peter chapter four. I'm just gonna read it all together and then I'll, I'll highlight some, some passages. So you're welcome to uh, listen along or, or follow along or just listen as I read. First Peter, starting chapter three, verse 13. Who then will harm you if you are devoted to what is good? But even if they should, if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear them or be intimidated, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and reverence, keeping a clear conscience, so that when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will. Than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers subject to him. Now jump to chapter four. Dear friends, Don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in having that name. So then, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator while doing what is good. Now, if we were to summarize Peter's teachings on suffering based on this book, we could say this. This kind of serves as a main point, a general statement. Christian Suffering is never for nothing. It's an act of worship, and God deserves all worship. Let me say that again. Christian suffering is never for nothing. It's an act of worship, and God deserves all worship. Now, I've highlighted the phrase Christian suffering because Peter does. He wants us to know that if you're suffering in jail because you got caught robbing a bank or murdering someone, he's saying, that's on you. Don't look to Jesus and say, why? Why, Lord? It's your fault, right? That's not what he's talking about when he says suffering. He's saying that if you're living your life in worship and submission to God and the world curses you or comes against you, that kind of suffering is never for nothing. It has purpose. And how important it is for us to know that and believe that. Now I have three main points that'll serve as our outline. So if you're a note taker, your first point will be this suffering is not surprising. I was going to send my notes in, but I was worried you were going to open the bulletin and just see suffering blank, suffering blank, (laughs) suffering blank. And I thought, you know, let me surprise you with with that this morning. And so suffering is not for nothing. And our verse is chapter 4, verse 12. Let me read that again. Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Now, if we were studying through the book of First Peter, we'd, we'd pick up on a play of words, a play on words, excuse me, that, that Peter is doing here. Right, earlier in the letter, Peter calls them strangers in a foreign land. And in repeating the word here, he's emphasizing again that they're different. He's the word strangers. Don't think of it as strange, right? You are strangers in a strange land. So don't think it's strange, the things that are happening to you. You know, when you're in a new place... Uh, and for my example here, it's as a uh, as a new place for the sake of ministry. But this was before we planted the church. Uh, you try different things to build relationships. So one thing I did early on <clears throat> was to join an atheist discussion group. Uh, they met twice a month at a cafe nearby. I read the rules; didn't say you had to be an atheist. I thought, okay, let's let's try this out. Um, and so and so I went. Uh, the first night, and it was, in, it was really interesting because it was very similar to a Bible study setup. You kind of start off and saying, my name is this, and this is why I'm here. Uh, on a side note, it was, it was incredible for me to consider that most of them were looking for community. Just looking for people that I can build relationships with and, and you know, have friendships. So they, they went around, and it was my turn. I was excited. Hi, my name is Marwan. I'm a Christian. I'm new to Beirut, and I moved here to start a church. And you should, you should have seen their faces. Um, they, were, they were very kind. They are lovely people. And I've become f- friends with several of them. Even still to this day, this was seven years ago. Uh, excuse me, six, five, between five and six years ago. Uh, I'm friends with a few of them. I have wonderful conversations. Uh, and So you can be praying, praying for them. Now, if I would have been surprised by their surprise, Peter would have sa- said to me, Dear brother, don't be surprised. You're, you're a stranger to them. You are a Christian in a group of atheists, Right? So it's kind of the same concept. We're strangers, we're foreigners in, in, a, in a world that's not our own. Right, we're strangers in this world, so don't think it's strange when difficulties come our way. And, and brother Christian and sister Christian, we would do well to remember that. If we're surprised, one thing that means is that we're not prepared. And if we're not prepared, how can we be faithful to the Great Commission? How can we be faithful to following Jesus? How can we be salt and light in a world that's not our home? Now, as we consider this, one reason that we're sometimes surprised by suffering is because we think suffering is a sign of God's judgment on us or His displeasure. Now, why would we think that? It's because we look to the world. And as we look to the world, peace and success are marked by Avoiding suffering, right? Ease and comfort are signs of success and blessing according to the world. And so in our suffering, we think that God has come against us or that he has forgotten us. But we are a people of the book. right? We need to constantly look to the truths in the Bible to combat the lies of this world. And so when we do that, we see that the ways of Christ are often opposite to the ways of the world. Where the world says, the first shall be first. Where Jesus says, the last shall be first. The world says, the strong are the strong. And the Bible proclaims, God's strength is seen in our weakness. The world expects results immediately. Whereas Christians are encouraged to trust in God's timing, where a day is like a thousand years. You see, the paradox of Christianity and suffering is most clearly seen in the suffering of Jesus, who, through death, gained eternal victory over sin and death. He didn't avoid death, but it was through suffering. That's a whole other sermon on on itself. Uh, You can look to Pastor Jim. He'll preach that at one point if you guys want a follow-up sermon on suffering. Uh, you You can ask Pastor Jim. Suffering should not be surprising for the Christian. Point number two, suffering presents opportunities. Suffering presents opportunities. Two two verses I'll pull out from what we read. Chapter three, verse 15, and chapter four, verse 16. Let me read that again. In your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. In chapter four, verse 16. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed but let him glorify God in having that name. Now, in our suffering, right, as those who suffer and yet have hope, we will have opportunities, the scriptures are telling us, we'll have opportunities presented to us to speak of the hope that we have. Suffering gives us opportunities to give God glory, to glorify his name as those who bear his name, Christians. Now, We are a few days away from the two-year anniversary of the Beirut explosion. I'm sure many of you, if not all of you, saw the videos of the port explode. Now, our church was the closest church to that explosion, less less than a quarter mile from the blast point, almost directly in front of us. And you should have seen the damage to our church, the damage to our neighborhood. I'm going to share a bit more about that after, or excuse me, later on. But as as we think of the second point, as we think of suffering as an opportunity for the gospel, I can tell you that the Lord was kind and provided many opportunities. People suffered so much. Homes destroyed, lives taken. As a church, we've also had to live through the brokenness and distress of such an event. But as those who know Jesus... We know that this world is broken. We know of the deep corruption of humanity. We know that sickness and death wasn't part of God's plan, but it was a result of our sin. Now, these are truths that are common to us in the house of God, right, amongst God's people. But they're truths that we take for granted. and We think that everyone knows about sin. Everyone knows about brokenness, but they don't. And so we were able to share with many of our neighbors the hope of the gospel. Not only that we stood alongside them and suffered and yet suffered with hope, because there's a difference, right? Light doesn't mix with darkness. And so even though we can go through the same exact experience as someone else who is not a believer, our lives look different, not because of our work, but because there is life in us. Christ is alive and he lives in us. So not only did we stand alongside them, but we explained that our God knows suffering. If he knows suffering, he knows what they're going through. Right? Jesus didn't bypass the brokenness of the world. He entered right in the middle of it in order to redeem a people for himself. That's the beauty of the gospel, and no other faith has that message. And so we proclaim it with confidence and with boldness. Now, when we suffer with hope. Not just any hope. Not I hope I have fill in the blank for lunch after service. No pressure. We already talked about what we're having, you know. Not not this kind of vague hope, but an eternal hope that can never be destroyed. There are opportunities to show the love and power of Jesus. Third point this morning. In this letter we see that suffering is a blessing. Suffering is a blessing. Listen to chapter 3, verse 14. But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Now, I don't know about you, but the word blessed has become so vague that it's lost all its meaning. I'm blessed. Be blessed. Oh, that's such a blessing. Whatever other phrase is. Right, So so the question is, is Peter being vague and generic in his writing? You're suffering for Jesus? Oh, you must be blessed. Don't stress, brother and sister. Be blessed. Is that what Peter's doing? No, of course not. And so we need to ask, how is suffering for the name of Jesus a blessing? We see three things in the text. Number one, suffering is a blessing because... It unites us with Christ and with one another. And so why is suffering a blessing? We see in our passage and throughout Scripture that it unites us with Christ and with one another. Now, throughout these passages, you heard uh, Peter talking about sharing in Christ's suffering, right? And suffering for his name's sake. So we're not just suffering for the the sake of suffering. We're not suffering because of sin. We're suffering for Christ. That's what Peter's talking about. But we can also look to Hebrews chapter 11, which is... uh, Often called the hall of faith. As we think about sharing in Christ's suffering and how it unites us to one another. There we read about saints of old who chose not to be released from prison. Or to be set free from death sentences. It seems, we don't want to read too much into scripture. But it seems that they may have at times had an option. Likely to deny uh, Christ. And deny their faith in order to be set free. But they chose not to. Why? Because they counted it an honor to suffer for the name of Jesus, who himself suffered so that we would be made right with God. Friends, as Christians suffer, they're united together with others throughout all of time who endured suffering because they chose to deny the pleasures of the world and to trust In the one true God, it unites us together. It's wonderful as we sing some of these hymns, and and as you, uh, depending on the style of music, or as if you reflect on the creeds. One of the oldest creeds in Christian faith is the Apostles' Creed. You know, we think that people for hundreds of years, for for generations after generations since Christ and the early Church, people have been repeating certain phrases and singing certain songs that unites us together and to one another through the spirit but also through experience and it's it's an incredible honor as we are united with Christ and with one another through suffering. Number two, why is suffering a blessing? Suffering is a blessing because it leads to a deeper experience of God's presence. I don't know if you caught that in chapter four, verse 14. Look Look at the text as I read it again. Chapter four, verse 14. If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ... You are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. The spirit of God rests on us. And I know many of you have experienced this. When things are going good in our lives, let me ask you, what does your prayer life look like? Pretty basic, right? You're thankful. But you kind of expect that life should be this way. right? We, we, we kind of expect when we're not in the middle of a crisis that life should always be this good. Why not? I'm a good person. I love Jesus. right? We, we, we start to believe the lie that we deserve the goodness of this world. But what happens when things seem to be falling apart? Whatever that might look like in your life. How's your prayer life then? Aren't you... Praying and pleading and communing with God in a way as if your life depends on it? Right, don't you depend and learn to trust God in ways that you wouldn't have apart from the experience of suffering? And often, in those times of prayer, haven't you felt that peace that surpasses understanding? As you read in Philippians chapter 4. Now, sometimes, maybe I would even dare to say often... The situation doesn't change. You pray, you pray, you pray, and the the, the thing that caused you prayer, the thing that's causing you distress, that's leading you to pray, that situation doesn't change. But when you've given it over to God, the grace of God overwhelms you. And you remember that he's good. You remember that your position in him is more important than the situation that you're in. Now, I'm asked lots of questions here, there, about lots of different things. Uh, One question I'm often asked when when we visit churches or we come back here uh, or people come and visit us and they see both the beauty of Beirut but also the brokenness, they say, how do you handle all of these problems and all of these needs? What do you do? How do you handle these things? And the answer is often that we can't handle it. We don't know how to handle it. All we can do is turn it over to the one who can. That was Elizabeth Elliot's answer when she was asked about the loneliness that she experienced at the death of her husband. Now, many of us know of Elizabeth uh, who's now with the Lord, and she's written wonderful things that have strengthened the church for her generations. Her husband, her first husband, Jim Elliott, died early in their marriage as, as they were trying to reach a tribal people in the jungles of South America. After some time, she married again, and then her, her husband died early because of sickness. And so much of her life was um, lived through the experience of loneliness and sadness, heartbreak and heartache. And so when they asked her, how do you handle all the loneliness? She, she answered the same way. She couldn't handle her loneliness. And so she gave it over to God. And I, I love her words. as she said, my loneliness became my offering. My loneliness became my offering. Friends, we feel that often. And I'm sure you've been in situations where you feel like, I have nothing to give you, God. At times, all we have to offer God is our weakness and our questions, our fears, and our anxieties. And they become our offering because of Jesus, we trust that that is enough. We rest in God's goodness and presence and give him glory because he has already accomplished the victory and provided for our greatest need. That's something we... we, all of us, whether we're in Coronado or in Beirut or anywhere in between, sometimes worry about things and we realize God has provided for our greatest need. Why am I stressing about this? Not to say that we, can't, we, we should be unaffected by everything. Uh, you would not be human, right? You would not be sinful. But, but we need God's word uh, to, to strengthen us and remind us. We need to look to Jesus, look to the cross, to remember that he's provided for our greatest need. We can trust him with everything else. And so in those difficult times, and those times of suffering, we remember that all that God has ever required of us is to admit that we need him. Right? And so we remember that nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We rest in the truths of scripture. We remember that we don't have to work in order to earn his love or work in order to keep his love. On Monday when I've done a horrible job, whatever that looks like in my life. Failed in every way. Didn't accomplish a single thing on my list of to-dos. And on Tuesday when I wake up with a song and a prayer on my heart. And do everything I was supposed to do and more with a smile. And I had a salad for lunch. (laughs) My position in Christ and the love of God for me in Christ doesn't change between Monday and Tuesday. So we need to know that that changes our lives completely. You see, our relationship with position in Christ hasn't changed because all of that is based on God and and His work, and God never changes. And yet, what, what has happened? Our experience of His presence and love has deepened. What a blessing that we can have a relationship with the living God. Now, I've got to stop here and pause for a moment and and say, I hope that you know the love of Jesus. The most important thing any of us can know is that we were created in the image of the triune God. We were created in his image, and me and you and all of humanity have rebelled against God because we said, we'll take it from here. Thank you, but I'd rather be God over my own life. That's a sin. And the only acceptable punishment for that sin against God is death. That's what the scriptures proclaim. Our rebellion and sin is punishable by death. But God is loving and gracious and good. He's had a plan to rescue us, to save his people. Now, if your understanding of Christianity is that you have to do anything to reach Christ, friends, you, you have a, a misunderstanding of Christianity. You're stuck in the Old Testament. You're stuck in the first chapters of the Bible. We're trying to build a tower to reach God. And God looks at us and says, how cute. <laughs> and also, how sad. But our, our efforts are nothing before God. But God, out of his love, his kindness, and his graciousness, and his goodness, came down to us. He wasn't born in a palace. He wasn't born outside the brokenness. He was born in Bethlehem. Which has been broken for the last 2,000 years. He lived among the lowest of low people. He saw the sin. He saw the brokenness. He lived perfectly. He avoided temptation completely, lived the perfect life that we couldn't live, and he died the death that we deserved. And through his work, through his life, his death, his resurrection, he has given life to those who trust in him, who hope in him. The reason early on I said in in Christ alone is because we can't say, I believe in you, Jesus, and also I believe in the, the, the good thing that I've done, and I hope that between those two things you'll accept me. We believe completely in him. We admit that we have nothing to offer and we are completely overwhelmed by God's grace and his mercy that he would make a way for his enemies. What does the Bible say you must do? Believe. Trust him. Call out to him. Admit that you have failed and sinned and, and, and once you place Christ, Your greatest need has been provided for. As we look at the scriptures, we see that no one can call out to God. No one seeks after God. And so I can't give you a, a special story and, and try to trick you and convince you with some, some candy to go to heaven. The Bible says is, is his people will hear his voice. Just like Paul On the road to Damascus, which is a highway I drive weekly in Lebanon. There's a road to Damascus, Damascus Highway. See how I'm inputting uh, illustrations from our life? He was going to attack God's people, an enemy of God, and God stopped him. He wasn't at a Bible study seeking God. God stopped him and opened his eyes. Well, he blinded him. Then he opened his eyes. And, and that's, that's salvation. So what that means is if you're saying, I, I feel like I want to call out to God. That's not me. That's not because I'm an okay, average, great, not good preacher. It has nothing to do with this. It has to do with the Spirit of God through the Word of God. He's calling you. And so my, my encouragement to you is cry out to God and believe in him. That is the message of Christianity. We can experience God's blessing and his pleasure and his presence in the midst of the brokenness of this world. Number three, suffering is a blessing because it leads to greater joy. Listen again to chapter 4 verse 13. Rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. Suffering. And this life will bring us greater joy at the return of Christ. That's what Peter is writing here. That's what he's encouraging the church. It's going through a difficult time, through persecution and suffering. Now, friends, the comforts of this life, as, as much as we're thankful for them, can often become distractions for us. They, they suppress the longing we ought to have for the return of Jesus, just as we were singing this morning, right? Now, life in Lebanon has helped us to cry out. Come, Lord Jesus. Uh, really, it's hard to describe what life is like in Lebanon because most people have never experienced some of the challenges. On every level of life, there's brokenness. And so one major thing that's affecting all of life is that the economy has collapsed. Well, it's collapsing. I don't, I don't know when an economy is officially considered collapsed. Uh, but, but we've been free-falling, and the currency has just plummeted. Uh, imagine a $1,000. Now being worth 45 dollars. I mean, that's, that's what's happened in Lebanon in the last two, two years. And not only has, has your money lost all its value, but also the banks are, are keeping it, and you're not able to withdraw, withdraw it. We have to withdraw it at a much lower rate. And so, so imagine, imagine that, that that's one of the, the worst uh, financial crisis in modern history, if you look at the statistics. Now, because of corruption, Lebanon hasn't had stable electricity for decades. To try to explain that is another sermon, uh, or after lunch with the five minutes that we have, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, tell you about, about uh, that. Uh, but for many years, long before the current problems, Beirut used to get. Uh, so we're thinking the capital city, uh, Beirut used to get twenty-one hours of electricity from the government, and then the remaining three, uh, we we provide through a generator that we have on our apartment building. The building has it. Not all buildings, but ours. thankfully, or does. Now, for different reasons, uh, mostly corruption and incompetency, uh, the government is only providing about an hour of electricity a day. Now, thankfully, our generator, uh, sorry, our building has a good generator, but generators aren't meant to run uh, nonstop, and so we have uh, eight hours a day without electricity, which is better than most, much better. We're so thankful for that. People in Lebanon, uh, off and on, there's times where it gets worse, uh, but people are waiting for hours in line to get gas. Not a full tank of gas. Of course, that would be too easy to wait eight hours in line for a full tank of gas. They would only give you a quarter tank of gas. Petty theft has increased. Uh, last year or a year ago, right around this time, my, my scooter, I ride a, a Vespa-style scooter because it's the only way to get around uh, and it helps with my cool, uh, cool points uh, in Lebanon. Uh, well, not cool points, but just helps with my, my local, uh, local points. Uh, it was stolen in front of our house in the middle of the day. But thankfully, uh, the Lord's provided for, for another scooter. But petty theft has increased. Last year, I had to run, over, uh, run to uh, over 40 pharmacies to find medicine because nothing is in stock anymore. All that to say is that these difficulties stir up our hearts for Jesus' return. No electricity leads us to long for heaven where the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. Because the glory of God illuminates it, and its lamp is the lamb. Uh, just before the service, I ran up in the middle of, of the, the mini sermon to the kids. I ran up to get water. I got it from the tap. That's pretty good-tasting water. Uh, it's not bad. Um, we were just in Louisville, and they advertise how clean and drinkable their tap water is. In Beirut, one of the first things we'll tell you if you visit is, be very careful when you wash your mouth and brush your teeth. Don't swallow any of the water because ours will hurt you if you drink it. And so we're reminded in a real and regular way to desire the rivers of the water of life, clearest crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, where anyone can come and drink freely. In a country with no money or medicine, filled with pain and sorrow, we are eager for the time when death will be no more. Grief crying and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. These are passages from the book of Revelation as we look forward to the new heavens and the new earth. And as we close, I want to close our time with chapter four, verse 19. Let me read that for us. So then let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator while doing what is good. For the believer that suffers for the name of Christ, let us entrust ourselves to our faithful creator. That's what Peter is encouraging then and now, and that's what we are being encouraged with this morning as we consider God's word. I love this verse. You know, it's the only place in the New Testament where God is referred to as creator. That's found all throughout the Old Testament, especially in the Psalms. This is the only place in the New Testament Where God is referred to as creator. And so we have to ask, why is Peter pulling this word out? I think we can say that Peter wants us to consider the one who created us, not us, but all things. The one who created the heavens and the earth and the galaxies. Have you seen the new pictures? What's the new uh, telescope? The James Webb, is that right? Uh, If if you're on any social media, uh, a couple weeks ago, it was flooded with pictures of galaxies. Thousands of galaxies because there's a new lens that shows the depth of creation. So Peter is saying, let us entrust ourselves to the creator, right? So think about the power of God in creation as we're going through our temporary and earthly trials. The God who created heaven and earth is worthy of our praise and of our trust and of our suffering. And so to close this sermon update, I want to proclaim to you that Jesus is faithful. Three quick things. He's faithful to build his church. Uh, this coming Palm Sunday, so in five months, six months, the years are all just made up in my mind. Now, I, I, I've lost track. But this coming Palm Sunday, City Bible Church will celebrate five years since we planted. That's something to, to celebrate. That's not celebrate us, not asking for a round of applause, but that's, that's uh, a call for us to celebrate him. Because he is the one, Jesus is the one who died to create his church. The fact that there is a gospel preaching church in Beirut and that God has persevered us through so much is a testimony that nothing will stop Jesus from building his kingdom. One update that I'm eager to share with you, uh, many of you are on our newsletter, you know we've been praying for co-laborers for years to come and join us. Praying for uh, uh, elder qualified men to come and be on staff with us and others to come and, and serve because the, the, what we read in the scriptures, the harvest is plentiful, yet the laborers are few. That's true. It's been true for our case. And just last month, we voted in another elder. Uh, a brother named Anwar is a Lebanese American who's going to be joining on full-time staff. And so we're going to have another person as serving as a pastor. He'll move to Beirut in September. Also early next year, I'll have a pastoral assistant Join me on staff. So five years, it's basically been me on staff, kind of full-time serving the church. And the next few months, we're going to triple that. Also, just days before we traveled to the U.S., I signed a 10-year lease on a new church building. It's it's bigger, uh, it's more appropriate, and it serves our needs and our community uh, better. It's a complete miracle how the Lord provided that for us. So I want to rejoice in that. Secondly, God is faithful to save the lost. Just last month, I had the honor to baptize two new believers who came to faith in the life of our church. Through conversations and through coming to services and hearing the gospel proclaimed, um, you know, there's many details I can share. Uh, it's a joy. We baptize in the Mediterranean. And so it's the only public beach. And so we go there. It's very polluted. It reminds me of time down just south of here when sometimes you're not supposed to go to IB in different places. Like, I'm used to this. Uh, but for us, we just always have a sign. And we just pray. Say it's a quick dunk. And just uh, don't drink the water. We're used to not drinking the water in Lebanon. um, But people are always afraid for us. Like, you're really going there? It's like, well, where else do we go? Um, And we love that it's public. uh, and and, And we have opportunities there. But in the middle of revolution and pandemic and economic collapse and explosion, in our weaknesses and our very limited capacity, Jesus still saves people. Friends, our God is faithful. Lastly, he's faithful to us as a family. Uh, time would fail me to recount the many ways that he has been good to us. But I'll share one big one. Not many details for the sake of time. But Marcy and I celebrated our 10-year wedding anniversary August 3rd in 2020. And so that means in a few days we'll be celebrating 12 years of marriage. Uh, we had plans to celebrate it bigger than normal. We thought about traveling. You know, 10's up 10's one of those milestones. So We thought we should, we should travel somewhere. Uh, but then uh, COVID, have you guys heard of uh, <laughs> COVID? Uh, did that affect anyone's plans in 2020? Okay. Well, it affected ours. Um, and, and so we didn't travel. We didn't see family. We didn't do all the things that we were hoping to do. But we decided to at least get away within the country, out of our house, out of the city, uh, to go, go up to the mountains. Uh, there was a ministry opportunity on our anniversary. And it's a Monday. We we didn't want to miss that opportunity to be there uh, lots of details there but we, we st- and that uh, kept us from traveling so we just went the next morning August 4th we hadn't left beirut for 6 months for those with young children you understand sometimes it's just easier to stay home yeah you know, just it's well we'll just we'll stay home instead of pack up bags like we're traveling for 2 months for 1 night uh, and just we, we stayed home, but it was 10-year anniversary, so we, we went out of town. The first time in six or seven months. And late morning on August 4th, we drove up to the northeastern mountains of Lebanon. It was beautiful. Uh, we're so thankful. About 60 miles outside of Beirut. Now, if we weren't out of town, we would have been in the city less than a mile away from the explosion. Because later that evening, around 6 p.m., The port exploded on August fourth. If we would have left August third, we would have returned around that exact same time and been literally in front of the port. I mean, on the road in front of the port, when it exploded, very likely. If if we weren't celebrating an anniversary, that's where our church is. Those are the cafes that I go to. This is where I go have meetings. I would have been right there in the neighborhood with the explosion. If we weren't out of town, our boys would have experienced much trauma, heard the noises, saw the smoke, experienced the damage in our building. But God was kind to take us out of the city just hours before the worst event in the history of Beirut. So many details I could share about that, but we don't have time this morning. But I want to rejoice with you and say that God is faithful. Even if we were in Beirut, he still would be good, still would be faithful. But I'm sure you all have these experiences as well where we see God's hand in your life that he didn't have to intervene or to step in or to do anything other than just be himself, be God, be good. And yet we've seen his hand. And we've seen that time and time again in, in Lebanon. So friends, thank you for praying for us Thank you for your partnership for the sake of the gospel. And let us end this morning by rejoicing that God is faithful. He is worthy of our lives. And so let us live our lives worshiping him because there is no greater purpose or honor that we have. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you for your goodness, for your grace. We thank you that that you are a God who knows suffering. You're not up in heaven seated on your throne and you look down at us and just have no understanding of what we're experiencing? Lord, you suffered in every way, you were tempted in every way, and yet yet you did not fall into sin. All that so that you would redeem us, the people for yourself. Father, thank you that when we pray to you, you know us. You know our needs, and you know what we need more than we do. Father, thank you that you have called us to be your people, and, and would you strengthen us, give us the grace to persevere with joy. In Beirut in San Diego for the glory of God. In Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Thank you, Marwan. Appreciate it. Let me ask you to do this again by your head just one more moment here. I wonder how many of you feel like to some degree you've been through some suffering the last few weeks, last few months, maybe, maybe the last couple of years. You feel like there's of whatever reasons things have happened in your life and it's caused suffering, with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you raise your hand up? Hold it up just for a moment. A lot of us, a lot of us. Thank you. Put your hands down. Now we know that suffering can be a blessing, that suffering can be an offering and worship, that suffering provides us the motivation sometimes to seek after God. Draw closer to him. So thank you, Marwan, for those words. If you're here this morning, you haven't received Christ as your personal Savior, you'll have a chance to in just a moment. If you'd like to come and ask about church membership or come and ask for prayer or come and whatever it is that God's moving in your heart, maybe you're interested in being baptized, you'll have an opportunity to do that. Father, bless us now in this invitation. God, thank you for the faithfulness of Marwan Marcy and their boys. Protect them and bless them, continue to watch over them. Raise up a great church in a great city, in a great country, one that you love, one that you've included in your word. So Father, we pray that you would bless them and bless us. And God help us to see that suffering is not just something that just happened that didn't have purpose but that it has purpose and we have someone to go to in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? As we sing our invitation hymn, whatever it is you need to do, I'll meet you right down here. My wife is right here. Rachel's in the back, ladies. Marwan's right down here. Guys, come on and let us pray for you. Let us help you make whatever commitment decision you need to make as they lead us in this song. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, it's been good to be in your house today. We pray that you would bless us, bless Marwan Marcy, bless each person who's here today, bless those who are not here, who couldn't be here. Father, we pray that you would help us to live for you every single moment of every single day. Thank you for loving us so much and blessing us even in times of suffering. We pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.
0: Surely your